touchdown. Of course, the crowd wants Reed to go for it. Wouldn't be surprised if he did on fourth down and one. So, anyways, with that, time jerks. Welcome to fourth and one. I'm Todd Palmer, joined by a well-rested Nick Jacobs. Um, Nick, uh, for the third time this calendar year, the Chiefs faced Cincinnati Bengals. For the third time this year, the Chiefs lost uh, by three points against the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, if you go to KSHB.com, I, I, you know, I mean, I, I recap the game and, and I go through like, I mean, obviously the chiefs are no longer sitting atop the AFC. I would still argue when you look at their remaining schedule and the bills remaining schedule, I still think the chiefs have a great chance at being the number one seed and having that buy in the playoffs. Um, so I'm not hitting the alarm when it comes to that. Um, but I do have some concerns coming out of this game. But first, I just want to get your reaction to uh, are, are the Bengals now the Chiefs' biggest rivalry uh, rival in the a- in the AFC, and why can't they seem to get over the hump against these guys? Well, rivalry <laughs> a rivalry means that both sides are winning. <laughs> so this is like the K State KU basketball rivalry. <laughs> I'm not going to compare it to anything. Or KU, uh, that, are, that, are, that our listeners would be involved in. Um, I, I mean, look, I mean, the Chiefs are going to have to. I, they won before Joe Burrow against the Bengals, but Joe Burrow's in town now. Jamar Chase is in town now. T. Higgins is in town now. Zach Taylor's in town now. The Bengals defensive coordinator, Lulu. Um, I'm just going to call him Lulu. Love, it. Love his noodles. Um, I mean, he's he's going to be, you know, he's in town. So, I mean, with that collective group, the Chiefs are struggling, and they're now 0-3 against them with um, with some problems on the horizon. Essentially, what it comes down to is the every time the Bengals play the Chiefs, they figure out a way to win the line in the scrimmage on both sides of the ball, whether they have superior talent or not. That is the reality. That is what is going to cause the Chiefs problems. When people say, hey, the Chiefs shouldn't be freaking out, everything's fine, you're right. It's going to be fine for the next five weeks. What's going to be the question is when you face the Titans, when you face the Bengals, when you face the Bills in the playoffs, maybe even the Dolphins, do you have a performance like that? Or do you rise above in the other games that you had potentially do that? And people are going to argue and say, well, they beat the Titans. No, they they, they beat Malik Willis, who right. hadn't played before Titans. Ryan Tannehill's in that game, and Patrick Mahomes doesn't take the team and put him on his back. That ball game is a, yet another loss to a playoff team. So, I mean, that's a part of the problem as well. And this was another game where not having Tyreek Hill showed, showed, showed. And, I mean, the Chiefs run their offense through Travis Kelsey, and if they can't get the ball to Travis Kelsey, Juju Smith-Schuster can step up on occasion, but there's a lot of other receivers right now that just can't fill that void at this current venture in time. So there was, you know, there was times where Mahomes needed – somebody else to step up to the plate and they couldn't do it. So that that's, that all played a part in that puzzle. Well, here's the, here's the, I mean, look, I think it's worth pointing out that, you know, McCall Hardman jr. Remains on an injured reserve and Canarius Tony missed his second straight game. And I liked a lot of what I saw from Tony when he was in there. I thought that he uh, had, had quickly established himself as somebody that Mahomes had a rapport with, had a trust in, um, and, and could make some of those plays um, when teams were taking away Travis Kelsey. But having said that, McColl has never shown the consistency week after week after week to make you feel like he's the solution there. And Kadarius Tony has never shown in his two years in the NFL that he can stay healthy long enough 
to be that guy and that you can count on week after week after week. So, so like you said, I, that is a concern um, that, that you don't know. I, 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 it's hard for me to have faith that that guy is on the roster um, this right now that Mahomes would have faith in. One thing I am starting to get some faith in though, it is uh, I like the Pacheco McKinnon running back combo. Like Pacheco got, he didn't get 15 carries this week, but you know, he averaged over more than four and a half yards a game. He got it. He found the end zone. McKinnon w- was an effective change of pace type guy. Um, you know, they, they averaged over five and a half yards a game. Do you feel like the chiefs are starting to solve that part of the puzzle? Cause like they came out in the third quarter and kind of ran it down their throat um, and got that lead. And it, and it looked like this evolution of the chiefs offense that we had talked about in the off season. We talked about at times this year, you were seeing it play out once again uh, in, in real time. Um, do, do you like what you're seeing at least from that aspect of it? Um, you know, or, or is it, you know, are you just more concerned about the fact that they can't seem to pass protect on the days when they can run block? Well, here's, here's part of the double-edged sword on this one. Sometimes when you run the ball, that at least doesn't expose your tackles to a lot of their poor technique and a lot of their poor issues. So that gives Mahomes a break from time to time. So he didn't have to carry the team on his back. Like they forced him to do far too often this year. So there's that aspect of it. Now, where the part where the run game seems to find its struggles is once they get inside the red zone and they really need it there and it really gets tight and compacted and you have to be able to knock some people off the ball. And if the Chiefs don't do it in a finesse way, they can't they can't do it very often. And I'm I'm curious to see if the Chiefs are going to add more three tight end sets into that or or add in an extra offensive lineman or two extra offensive linemen and try to be able to do that way. I don't care if they if you know if they know you're running, knock them off the ball. Right, like the wildcat thing. With the line McKinnon, The wildcat thing with McKinnon. I would yeah. prefer to see two offensive linemen in there, in wherever the heck you got to put them, and you go running down their throat that way. That's that's just the way I, I would go about that. But that's just me personally because I like Smash Mouth football, and the Chiefs still don't like to play Smash Mouth football under this current era. The only time they even came close to it was 2015 with that offensive line, and that was one of their best offensive lines to date. Um, now, the other part of the thing, look, I mean, Pacheco can run hard and he can run in a straight line where he starts to have struggles and it showed on that third, that short third down play he converted. But for him, he has to make that cut quicker for his style of speed and he would have actually gotten more yards. The longer he stretches stuff out with the lack of lateral quickness he has, he lets defenders catch up to him and he loses a lot of the explosiveness that he does have. While McKinnon, on the other hand, has that explosiveness and finds the cut back and can cut off it immediately. Pacheco's like more of a riding lawnmower that's got a wider turn to it. And that may not seem like a big deal, but it's those wide turns that allow the pursuit to get there and limit the effectiveness of some of that blocking. Yeah. I mean, it allows, you know, he, Jarek McKinnon can outrun an angle that, that Isaiah Pacheco simply can't when a, when a safety or linebackers coming at him toward, from the sideline. Um, how much do you think they need Joe Tooney back? Um, you know, I mean, I, I I didn't think Nick Allegretti, I think he's done a serviceable job, you know, against Aaron Donald, but he got walked back by DJ reader several times this week. Um, and his deficiencies in the, in the past protection kind of showed a little bit. Um, and then on top of that, the fact that you've got a left guard, you know, who, who's a little bit deficient 
next to a deficient left tackle really, really makes that side of the line um, ripe for the picking for uh, opposing defensive coordinators. So reader, in my opinion, is the Bengals best defensive lineman. They go as he goes. If he, in all honesty, if he got hurt in that game, the chiefs could have done whatever they wanted to at that point. Reader's a rock star for them along that defensive line. And he's the, he, he stirs the drink. He, he, him on their defense is what Mahomes is to the Chiefs offense. Like, I know that sounds dumb. That may sound stupid in comparison, but I'm just telling you that's how important he is to that Bengals defense and what he does. Um, now, look, Joe Tooney, he got that ankle or leg rolled up on a couple weeks ago, and he was getting walked back after he got rolled up on that. And I knew that thing was hurting him because he normally doesn't get walked back like that. He's got a good right. re-anchor and able to reset his hands and get in there in the framework. So, like, for him to get walked back, like it told me that that ankle was or leg or whatever was going on was smart and pretty good for him to kind of give up the ground he was giving up. Allegretti's not a great pass protector. He's a solid run blocker. And the combination of him, Humphrey, and Smith is actually their best run blocking combination because of the power and ability those guys have blocking angle-wise collectively. You lose some ability pass protection-wise with Allegretti, Orlando. I mean, look, I, I'll, I'll go in on Orlando at this point, and I'll end up saying it. Um, I try not to be negative on here because people got upset when I was negative about him last year and, and that type of stuff, but I'm, I'm going to say my piece at this point with where what happened today. Orlando can't handle speed rushers. Never been able to. He's not going to. He makes guys who are no names in the league look like J.J. Watt at times. And that shouldn't be the case, but there's issues with his with his sets. He doesn't have the quickest to feet. He can't work in space very well, and he doesn't have the best punch, and he lunges at times, and he can't bend very well. So all those things combined cause problems for him. What would you say he can do? <laughs> he can certainly fill a spot on the offensive line. Um <laughs> No, but I mean, rattled off like every, every offensive, every fundamental you'd want a left tackle to be able to do. And we're like, can't do it. Can't do it. Can't do it. (laughs) So here's where the problem comes in though. He's supposed to check the franchise. He's supposed to be the guy in charge of protecting the franchise quarterback. He's not supposed to get touched in any way, shape or form, especially when he's making $500 million. Like that's the one investment you have to protect at all costs. So with Orlando Brown, the issue you run in right there right now is every time he gets pushed back, every time he gets beat around the corner there, and Pat sees that, Mahomes takes off. He finds a spot, and he steps up, or he flat out takes off. That's what he does, and what that tells me, whether it's said in press conferences, whether it's said publicly, because he can't say he can't throw teammates on the bus like that, so I totally get it, but I'm going to say the truth right here. That means you don't trust that guy. That means you know that guy's going to get you hurt. And so you're taking off because you don't trust that guy to be able to do what he needs to do and what he's getting paid $16 million this year to do. And if the Chiefs think that bringing that back next year under those circumstances is going to somehow be all right and make him a better football team, boy, I tell you what, man, you better get used to what you got going on right now. Is that ain't any prettier. And for Andrew Wiley, Andrew Wiley gives what he has. That dude gives every single thing that he has. That guy does not quit on a play. He gives, unlike Orlando, who quit a handful of times. I know you'll talk about that in a second. Who will just literally watch Pat take off and be like, well, all right, man. I guess I'll watch the show from here. Um, 
Wiley gets what he has, but he is out of position and always has yeah. been at tackle. And he knows that, but he works his butt off. He honestly would be a better left guard or even right guard. He's a guard in this league. That's what he can do, and that's where he can help that football team. But they but they don't have any other options at right tackle that they clearly feel comfortable with. So until Niang's up to speed, that's what they got. If I was putting the Chiefs offensive line together, I would have Tooney at left tackle. I would have Wiley at left guard. I would have Humphrey at center. I would have... Smith, uh, Trey Smith at right guard, even though I can tell since he got rolled up on in week one that that ankle is probably still, I don't know if it's ever going to be 100% while he's playing football this year, but he does the best he can. And I can tell he struggles in his past sets right now, because, probably because of it. And then at right tackle, uh, if Niang could do it, that's where I'd put him at. Or you run a trial position for all I care at this point. Yeah, but I mean, play, your tackle play, play spots. Garen Christian. Somebody. I, somebody. Whatever. Whatever. Right. Somebody. But I, I'm telling you, like, this offense goes as the offensive tackles do. And if Pat didn't feel comfortable with what protection he's getting, it's a wrap for that series, for that play, for that drive, like all that combined. Those are what caused the hiccups in this offense initially. Well, or or in this case for that game, because the uh, on on the third and three play right before Butker missed the fifty-five yard field goal, that was the the play where I was like, "Come on, man! Like you cannot like like Orlando Brown Jr. cannot with a straight face watch the game film from Cincinnati and say that he deserves to be paid top five tackle money in the NFL." No way, no how. It's just not possible. If if he feels that way, he's deluded. And 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 I don't I don't want a left tackle who's deluded and doesn't understand what he is and what his value is anyway. Joseph Osai is not an elite pass rusher. The Bengals had a three man rush. Now, yes, the one guy who got asked to block one on one against that three man rush was Orlando Brown Jr. But newsflash: when you're the left tackle, you're the highest paid offensive lineman on you know that's playing out there and you're supposed to be the best offensive lineman on the team, you're going to be the one asked to, to do the one-on-one -on -one blocking in a situation like that. Joseph Osai got around him faster than he could have gotten around me. I, I mean, you know, whether it was getting the well, set, Todd, you're, getting, you're giving yourself a lot of credit there, Todd. I could have at least fallen down in front of him or committed a foul, a penalty for the love of God. Like, <laughs> I could have made him jump over me. I could have offered Tripping, more resistance. Todd Palmer, number... 17 or whatever yeah. your number would be. Oh, I absolutely would have been hurt. And I'm not saying I'm a better left tackle, but it was embarrassing. It was embarrassing. Like, you know, he set too deep. He completely missed the punch. He, he's tipping himself over reaching. He was too far away to even get that. I, Osai made a simple inside, uh, inside move. And, and then, but even that, like, even that, like, uh, look, guys get beat guys, get off balance. You know, guys expect one thing and, and Jarek McKinnon what was in there um, before he went out on his route. So I'll give him a pass on that. What I don't give him a pass on is Mahomes eluded the initial rush when he got free and came up the middle and scrambled to the outside. But when Joseph Osai turned around and started to chase Mahomes down from behind, Orlando Brown Jr. went into spectator mode, which he does far too often in those situations. And what's frustrating about that is you can see that Pat doesn't trust him, but more than that, if you're an offensive lineman on the Kansas City Chiefs, you know that Patrick Mahomes is a wizard when it comes to keeping plays alive and those second reaction plays. You cannot give up 
on plays like that, especially in critical situations, late in games against opponents that the margin for error is almost non-existent like it is when they play the Bengals. Look, his technical deficiencies, everything like that, I get it. And that's why we talked about all offseason. I wouldn't pay him the kind of money he was asking because of those technical deficiencies. But you've got to play with heart and hustle. Like, you can make up for some of those technical deficiencies if you will just not give up on a play, if you will just keep fighting to the final whistle. If If he would have made any effort to get back in Osai's way, Mahomes may have been able to scramble for a first down. We may be having a completely different conversation today. But far too often, he doesn't do it. And that's where I, I can't work with them. Not good enough to play left tackle. Ain't going to play hard enough to be, you know, to, to, to try to make up for it. Can't do it. The Chiefs need to find a different plan. Now, the play that fascinated me was two plays before on first down when Trey Hendrickson, what happened on that play? The Chiefs literally had a chip by either the tight end or receiver off the start of it to get into Hendricks' way, to allow Brown time to set up on his set for his pass set there. Literally did what they had to to help a left tackle who, spoiler alert, your left tackles, if if they're what you need them to be, they're people you can leave on an island and you don't need to help. Right. They shouldn't they shouldn't need to help. Especially if you're okay. paying them sixteen to twenty-five million dollars. That's why you're paying them that is it's one less guy who has to stay in so they can get out on their route and be able to help give Patrick a fifth option or a fourth option, depending on what the formation is. So literally, they gave him help with a chip. Trey Hendrickson still beats him. Well, yeah. technically forklifts him. Gets inside of him, forklifts him, then turns it into a bull rush right into Patrick's lap. And then Patrick sees that and says, Well, he just got beat, rotates right around and runs out, you know, runs outside there. And Trey just chases him down. Orlando's just, just like he's on a, like an evening jog he's or an evening walk, a brisk, a brisk walk. And it wasn't even that brisk, it was just a walk. <laughs> To get his steps in, and like it just, it just, it just fascinated me. Like I'm not saying the guy, I'm not saying look, the guy's better than I would ever be in the NFL. The guy's (laughs) more in shape than I would be. Like I'm not literally everyone in the NFL. That's but I like to, but I like, but I like to at least recognize that I know my limitations personally, and I'm not arrogant to be like, oh, I would have done better. No, I would have done worse than Orlando, but I at least would have felt better. On that outside play, you could have fallen down, and you could have at least turned and chased Joseph. You could have at least tried. All you had to do was try, and it would have been better than what Brown did there. At minimum, I would have definitely put both my legs up and tried to trip him. And I'd be like, that's fine. The franchise is fine, ref. Give me 10 of those. (laughs) That's right. Listen to me. I know for a fact that if a man was running at Patrick Mahomes with ill intent, that you would do what you had to do to stop that. Orlando Brown does not seem to feel the same way. (laughs) I, uh... I will do whatever I have to do to protect the franchise. Brian, not supposed to say that as a journalist, but I will. I will do it. I will do it. I will do it for Patrick Mahomes for fifteen for the franchise for what he's brought for for everything. You dang right, and you need a left tackle that's going to do that for you. Not say they're going to do it, but actually do it on the field. Don't talk about it. Be about it. Speaking about not talking about it and being about it, um, I would like to talk about the defense a little. 
Uh, there so was some chirping. Don't talk about Bruno. Just don't talk about Bruno. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right, fair. There was some chirping this week, and it, it amounted to a whole lot of nothing because Hayden Hurst went out early. And um, don't worry, Jamar know. Chase made sure he got it some sportsman oh, for it. Yeah, I mean, Jamar Chase made sure he got in on it, but you know, eh, look, it it is what it is. I mean, obviously, the Bengals took note of what Justin Reed had to say. Um, you know, I mean, I'm not sure if I'm Justin Reed that, you know, I want to poke the bear when, um, I'm not sure he's going to a pro bowl this year, Nick, that, I mean, <laughs> so, but look, I've asked you a couple times now, um, you know, when the defense has started to put together some decent performances and when the pass rush has shown up here and there, cause obviously the, the inability to get sacks at times the last couple of years has been the biggest issue in my opinion on that defense <laughs> which is funny because that's literally what steve spagnolo's scheme is built around it's supposed to be right like i mean that it's you know they might give up chunk plays but but you know uh here and there but they're you know it's all about pressure it's all about getting the quarterback on the ground which is the one thing this defense can't do but i've asked a couple times like you know whether you were seeing signs that this defense was becoming like that 2019 defense that that went to a super bowl. What did I um, say? I don't remember. <laughs> I, I mean, every time you were like, yeah, we're going to have to wait and see, you know, we're going to have to wait and see <laughs> Nick. I think we've seen, <laughs> I think we can definitively say like when they play against top flight offenses, like they're, they're not, they just, they, they don't have, they don't have that gear. So what does that mean for this team moving forward into the playoffs and how they have to win and how they have to play? I, there's one point I'm going to make before I go to that, and I promise I'll get to it, but it's part of the point. Um, so, I mean, the Chiefs this whole offseason, building this roster was built around being able to match up against the Bengals, being able to match up against the Bills, and being able to match up against, you know, the AFC West. Like, that's literally what that roster was built for because they saw what the Bengals could do to them and they saw what the Bills could do to them. And they knew they were going to need to make some adjustments in their secondary and in their receiving group to alter that offense to be able to withstand what they needed to and to add to their pass rush. So they did what they could by adding as much secondary as they did. They overturned the wide receiver group, and they added a couple pieces in terms of pass rush. So, I mean, for them to lose to the Bills in the regular season and for them to lose in the Bengals in the regular season, both by three or four points, so it means they're not terribly far off overall but there's, they know where they stand test-wise and where this roster stands test-wise to be able to go up against those teams. And even the Titans, potentially, just because of the physicality the Titans play with, um, they, they, know where, they know where they stand in that regard. Now, what I'm going to say from a pass rush perspective, so much of their pass rush is built off, can Chris Jones win, whether it's a one-on-one or double team? And if not, are, are they able to manufacture pressure with a blitz off the edge? or being able to create some type of blitz. And then so and if they do, if Chris wins his stuff, then that allows Karloffis to potentially get a one-on-one, Dunlap to get a one-on-one. And if they use Mike Dana as a three-tech occasionally, Mike Dana can can sort of do that at times. Um, there are times, though, whenever they run the ball, they see Dana out there, like, all right, we're going to run it. And they did it today, and they were able to convert some stuff because Dan is not a run defensive tackle. Yeah. He's supposed to be a pass rush specialist in that in that area. So the the, the kicker of it is, it comes down to if they're it, do they have a quarterback who's going to burn them, 
like Burrow does if you if you have to manufacture pressure with blitzes. And and so they had to make a decision today. Hey, do we want to keep two safeties deep, run a lot more zone for our young secondary, and kind of take the paper cuts that we're that they're gonna have to and kind of lean on our pass rush to either do what it can or not? Or do you manufacture pressure, leave your secondary out on islands and really kind of you know, have to see what happens. And Spagnuolo tried to blend it as much as he could after they went up 14 to three. But I mean, there was times there where it, they got their answer that their secondary is still growing, still learning. And they're, they're not where they need to be when they're facing the trio to the level of the Bengals. And that's kind of expected, you know, with a group of rookies. I, but honestly, I I was going to say Juan Thornhill, this is a contract year. And Thornhill keeps playing himself out of a roster spot and out of a contract with the angles he takes. And sometimes whenever it looks like he may be lost in his assignment. Yeah, he, he is. He, I thought he started this season fairly strong and he's gone downhill uh, as the season's gone on. I actually think the young corners um, have look, they've been competitive. I like the spirit they play with. Um, you know, like even on the play where Josh Williams gets beat there at the end on the first play coming out of the two minute warning, it's third and 11 and Burrow converts that 14 yard pass on the slant route uh, over the middle to T Higgins. I thought Josh Williams was, had pretty good coverage. I mean, that's one where Burrow hung in against the pass rush because Chris Jones is collapsing the pocket to the left and Dana's about to hit him and, and he hangs in there and he throws a good ball and T Higgins makes an incredible catch on it. I like the the way that those guys fight and compete. I think they need a little bit more experience to understand uh, tendencies, to understand um, you know how guys run routes, and, and just you know get a feel for the speed and 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 the intensity of the NFL game. Because you got to remember, for Trent McDuffie, for Joshua Williams, this is one of the first times they've been in a playoff like atmosphere on the road, right? Um, for a game like that, so. I like what I saw from them. And I agree with Andy Reid that this is the kind of game they can learn from. I still I I've I think Josh Williams, and I said it on Twitter tonight, continues to grow each week when I see him. Are are they perfect? No, but Rashad Fenton and Charvarius Ward weren't either. And 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 the Chiefs were able to win a lot of football games with those guys. So I, I think that from that standpoint, I like I like what I see from them. But it doesn't matter if the Chiefs cannot find a way to take the pressure off those guys from, you know, a series here or a series there by getting a sack in a big situation. And they're just not capable of it. Like Karloff, this gets pressure every once in a while, but you know, I mean, he's yet to like make big time impact plays. Um, I'll be interested to see when they play the Bengals again, next time. The one thing I didn't see a lot from the chiefs and, I need to go back and watch, you know, I mean, with the caveat that maybe I missed it on the game film, I didn't see a lot of a gap pressure or anything like that, where they were trying to bring blitzes um, on the interior against burrow today. Um, You know, and so maybe that's something that they could still, you know, have in the bag. Should they meet him again in the playoffs? But I think the best help that you could give that young secondary and Juan Thornhill and Justin Reed would be if you could actually like, consistently generate a pass rush. And I just don't see the chiefs being able to do that against good teams. And it missed, it continues to mystify me how they can't do it against the Bengals. 
but I think that's be, I think that you know because I think the Bengals have a fairly mediocre uh, offensive line and, and one that gets taken. I think it's better than last year, but one that gets gets abused by good defensive lines. But I think it just highlights the fact that this is a very mediocre off or defensive line that the Chiefs are trotting out there. And I think you're giving that defensive line a lot of credit there with that with that one. So props to you on that. Um, yeah, I mean, look, it, it is what it is on that. I mean, the, the Chiefs defensive line, they were, they were always going to be revolved around what Chris Jones could be. Frank Clark, I mean, you know, that, that tank has been running on empty for a while, and they're just trying to get what they can out of it at this point. And, it's, and Frank's chugging along as, with what he has left at this point. Carloftis is, you know, he's he's gonna he's gonna need a full offseason to work on how to attack pass rush wise, how to do multiple moves, and like it's gonna be, you know, he's he's gonna need he's gonna need a lot of coaching in the offseason to kind of be able to put it together with the type of hustle that he has as a football player and the I, athletic yeah. ability he has ceiling wise. I mean, so I'm not knocking him and saying he's a bust, he's this or no. that. He's just he needs time. This is good learning experience for him this year. And like you said with the secondary, this was a great learning experience. The Buffalo game, the Bengals game, like those were big for that Chiefs young secondary to understand what they're talking about, 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 you know, what, what, you, what playoff football is like and what the atmosphere is like and all that stuff. So that that's part of that aspect of it. So, I mean, those things combined like that, that's just going to be the way, the way it is. And that's the way that scheme's built. And Spagnuolo was willing to take the lumps early on to not hang his secondary out there. Cause guess what? The Bengals only Bengals only got two explosive plays over 20 yards in the entire game. If I go back and look at yeah. some of the other ones, they had like six or seven um, in some of the other chiefs games from last year. So they, they kept them. They, they protected the young secondary as much as they could with the limitations they had on defense. Yeah. I mean, that said, you know, Burrow completed 25 or 31 passes and then, you know, they ran for 150. So um, the, the chiefs weren't real successful at taking away anything uh, at the end of the day. Um, so, but I, <clears throat> they kept the rookies confidence. Okay. Take the win I, where but, you can get it, sir. <laughs> what I was going to say is I think that, uh, um, I, I, I have faith that Spagnolo can learn from this, from this game tape and, and, and put together a better performance the second time around um, should they meet again in the playoffs. Uh, but at this point, I got to be honest, do you want to see them again in the playoffs? Cause I kind of do. I really kind of do Nick. Um, I, I, uh, I mean, I know that that's maybe tempting fate because the chiefs have lost three, you know, three in a row in the series, but like the competitor and like the chiefs fan in me wants, wants to see them in the playoffs and, and, you know, maybe smack them once. I mean, I, that's just that's just where I'm at. Yeah, I wanted to see the Bengals in the AFC Championship last year, and saw how that worked out. Well, I mean, I still i there's always going to be a part of me who is confused as to how they blew a 21 to three halftime lead. There's always going to be a part of me that wonders how that game plays out um, if they take the field goal or they run a play that doesn't involve throwing it to Tyreek at the five yard, you know, run a play where the, the ball goes into the end zone uh, at the end of the, at the end of the second quarter there. Um, you know, I mean, I, I full credit to the Bengals. They came back and, and they won that game, but uh, I am not convinced that the Bengals are that much better of a football team than the chiefs. And I look forward 
uh, to the next opportunity the Chiefs have to prove that. Well, the Chiefs had marked this one on their calendars since April. And, dude, you know who was really bothered by it, and I haven't seen him lose their composure like that before? Was Mahomes at the end when he slammed his helmet against the uh, bench. See, now, yes, but I think I read that as a combination of him being a little fed up with the protection uh, because it, because like I said, I think if, if I could notice it and, you know, and, and not that it was hard with Tony Romo repeating it, uh, but it was a three man rush and they gave up immediate pressure because a certain left tackle um, offered as much resistance as Saran wrap. And on top of that, then he hurt his foot getting chased down from behind. That's a play that Patrick Mahomes is used to stepping up and making. And then, you know, with him hurting his foot, I I read it as like, he was just like pissed. Yeah. When he came off the side, I don't know that it had so much to do with Cincinnati. I think he would have been pissed off against anybody in that situation. If his left tackle was giving up pressure, a three man rush and got him hurt. That's just, that's just my thought. I get what you're saying, but he's had protection issues in other games too. And I don't remember him slamming his helmet like that afterwards. That's, that's true. But you got to remember he's sleep deprived because, you know, they got a new baby in the house. Bronze Mahomes was born Monday. Are you um, his publicist? I mean, are you his publicist? That's what I'm asking. I, I mean, I'm angling for the job. Clearly. <laughs> I mean, you are spinning this like a true PR wizard I, right now. I, I, we I, found Todd's next job whenever he, if he ever moves on and Todd's looking for a new gig, apparently being a, being a PR person is going to be in Todd's future with the way that cat is trying to spin this right now. I, I mean, look, if they, if they need, representation for sterling and bronze i would i would take the interview i'm not gonna lie um you know maybe mostly just maybe to like hang out with Brittany and pat for the interview right all right Todd, the, him, the floor like, is yours really right now Orlando Brown the floor is yours right now if you want to do a parent no 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 we're not doing a public <laughs> interview and and look because you know i have to try to sell demo- yourself for the interview right now i have to demonstrate that i have the requisite um you know ability to um avoid making a public spectacle right like like i i know what things to keep private and what things to publicize um you know so i'm not i'm not going to put that out in the streets nick Hey, spoiler alert, Todd just sold himself without making it look like he just sold himself. A true PR wizard right there, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Am I that transparent? uh, You got to remember, I've dealt with a lot of of different PR staffs over the past two decades, as have you. Um, There's a couple of key points I'll I'll make, and then if you got any, then go ahead. Um, A little piece of the puzzle that I'll say – Early on, when the Chiefs ended up having to kick that field goal, I remember looking, and Justin Watson didn't finish his route back there. And if he did, Mahomes probably throws it to him for one yeah, of the. Oh, yeah. for the and he was frust- he was clearly frustrated. He was gesturing at him. Yeah, like like if he does that, the Chiefs actually score a touchdown there, and it's you know, it's not <laughs> it's not a field goal. There's four more points, and guess what? Would the Chiefs lose by again? <laughs> Three. Three, and, and look, yeah. the Bengals then- weren't. The Bengals were in field goal position there at the end, but I, you know, I, I take my chances with Pat trying to get in field goal range, uh, you know, with a, a minute and a half, yeah, um, so, if it was that situation. So there's that little puzzle piece. The next one for me is, although we are kind of assuming that the chiefs defense wouldn't give up a touchdown there. Yeah. 
Next puzzle piece. I'm just trying to get through quickly here. Um, so are you I saying think... you don't want me to interrupt? <laughs> no, I never want you to interrupt, but that's the world I live in there, Todd. <laughs> um, Valdez Scantling, the inconsistency with him. That's part of the reason where it, you know, Pat's going to keep trying to throw it to him and everything, but man, their deep balls are still off when they throw when yeah. he throws deep to him. It's because I don't think he knows if he's going to fully run the route or not. So he tries to put it in a spot, and and it seems like Mark has always having to slow down and come back to it. But I'm like, I don't think he runs his route fully to where Patrick knows 100. percent Like you know, with Tyreek or something in the past or Kelsey that he's going to go full sprint to get to it. And so I, I, I still see that, you know, that, that lack of chemistry there and that part of it. And I mean, he was targeted six times. And he only caught two passes for like 70, 60, 60, 71 yards, somewhere around there, 72, something like that. Um, and, and as long as it's 45, if I remember correctly. But in all honesty, I think if McCall Hardman's out there on that field, I think McCall ends up getting some of those passes and maybe takes one or two of them the distance because of his speed. When McCall gets the ball, McCall has better speed than what Valdez Scantling does. And and Tony might, but I, I, I would have to see Tony do it on a six week basis instead of one and a half games to be able yeah, to I, kind of put him in that in that ballpark. And then I want to bring up Travis Kelsey's fumble. The I'm not blaming him for this game. Kelsey's this Chiefs. It. Kelsey's the Chiefs offense. Without Kelsey this offense would be in bad, bad, bad position right now. It'd be in bad shape, and Mahomes, other than Juju Smith-Schuster, wouldn't have any receiver out there he fully trusted to do and execute everything correctly the way he needs. So, I mean, where Kelsey had the issue, and it's happened you know, a couple times in the past, is you got to secure that ball with your life, man. Whenever you got two defenders on you like that, you either need to drop to the ground and take no chances – but he wanted to get those extra yards. He wanted to fight for his team and do everything. And like the, the, that can be the result of it sometimes, but I am in no way blaming him. I'm not blaming the refs. There were plenty of opportunities out there for the chiefs on offense and defense. If they execute correctly and do what they need to, they win that game comfortably versus it coming down to a three point loss the way it did. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, if you're going to blame Kelsey, I think you got to blame Bucker, um, you know, for missing the field goal as well. And, and I, but again, we've talked about, I think a lot of the issue comes down to the offensive and defensive lines. Um, that's where I put most of the, uh, uh, of, of the blame to the extent that there is blame to go around or, you know, I, I do think it's worth pointing out. This is a, a team that I think is one like four in a row and like seven of eight now or something like that. And did go to the Super Bowl last year, right? So it's not like it's not like losing by three points on the road at Cincinnati. It, it this is in nowhere, uh, in no way like that loss to the Colts earlier in the season, which remains inexplicable to me. Like I think I knew going into this game, if the Chiefs don't play, you know, if they lose the turnover battle, if they struggle to get to get to Joe Burrow, you know, and generate pressure they can lose this football game, right? Like, I think if you're being honest, you knew that was possible. Yeah. So this isn't a game that, like I said, I'm not going to overreact to the fact that they lost, um, but it, it's obviously noteworthy that they, um, you know, that this team has become a thorn in their side. It's become a, you know, a sticking point. It's kind of like for the bills in the playoffs, what the chiefs are, right? Like, um, you know, and so, you know, I, like I said, I, I, I firmly believe that the chiefs uh, are 
as good and can beat this Bengals team. But like you said, at some point you got to go out there and prove it. It's, it's one thing to have that faith. It's one thing to have that belief. It's another thing, um, you know, to go out there and do it. I think there was a little bit of that with Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady, um, you know, before, um, you know, the 2019 or, you know, or before, you know, some of the games there, um, uh, you know, especially coming out of the 2018 AFC championship game, stuff like that. But um, look, I, I, I still think that all the goals the chiefs have are out there. Look, they can clinch the AFC West next week if the chargers lose and if they beat the Broncos um, and, you know, and then everything still can lay out before them uh, that they want this season, but, but they've got to find some solutions or at least find a way to, to um, address the shortcomings in the trenches, I think moving forward. We shall see what the uh, what the week brings. Well, it's probably not going to bring another uh, baby Mahomes, so I I won't have to do too much work um, in my side job as as the the PR for the kids. Um, the unofficial, like you're you have right, right. Like I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't have the job yet, but I, I you know, you got you got fake it till you make it, right? Um, you know, um, you know, dress for the job you want, Nick. So. Well, Todd, all I know is I am going to be on some PTO for a handful of days this week. I call it my December to remember. I have every Thursday, Friday off this year and the entire week after uh, Christmas. So it's a December to remember for me. Yeah. And I, uh, I always, yeah. I mean, at once, once December 21st hits, like I'm off until like January 4th. <laughs> no, well, guess there may not be a podcaster in that time. I mean, I'm covering the Chiefs games during that week, so uh, you you can still have me then. Okay. Well, you didn't tell me that. You lied to me. You just lied to no, me. That's right the now. only thing. I mean, I'll, I'll cover the Chiefs games, but that's the only. That's my okay. only working. Well, game. you already lied to me. You already broke my trust. I can't throw this past to you now. So that's fair. That's I'm fair. sorry. <laughs> nope. I just saw a guy coming from my left side. I got to take off scrambling. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, um, from the Orlando Brown of the podcast, I'm Todd Palmer. You take care, kids. Wait, am I the Orlando Brown? <laughs> <laughs>